welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. You have truly been set free in Christ. And then he says, now make sure that you stay free and you don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. I want to read from this and I want to bring this point this morning, this thought this morning. Uh, There is a love that liberates. There is a love that liberates. Let's read that little bit there. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. Ouch. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive faith by right. By faith, the righteousness God has promised to us, for when we place our faith in Christ, in being circumcised or being uncircumcised, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. Jesus has set us free, and it is an act of His grace, it is an act of His mercy, and it is an act of His love. He has set us free because of His love for us. For God so wanted to restrict, for God so wanted to dominate, for God so wanted to rule over, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. So anyone who believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. The motivation for God's relationship with us is he wants to love us. The reason that he sent his son to die for us is out of love for us. And his desire is that our relationship with him would be motivated, would be grounded, would be founded in love. He desires for us to love him. And it is his love that liberates us. We read there that, that there's all these things that the Galatians are trying to get right. They're, trying to, they're going back to the slavery. They're going back to the law. And, and Paul says, you know, what is important? Can I ask you this morning, what is actually important to us? He says, what is important is that faith expresses itself in love. That your faith would express itself in love. First and foremost, that your faith would express itself in a loving relationship with the God who loves you. That your faith wouldn't be just about trying to keep some, some regulations or, or, or trying to find a religion, but your faith would be expressed in loving relationship with a God who loves you so dearly. And then your faith would be expressed through loving actions towards others. What's important is not that we, we try to keep the regulations, but that we walk in relationship with Him. And over and over and over again, Paul tells this church, uh, you're going back into the old way. You're going back to the old way of thinking. But Jesus has set you free from that. So stop trying to enslave yourself again. Stop trying to tie yourself up again. His love has liberated you. His love has set you free. Is that good news? 
So let your relationship with him then be motivated and founded and grounded in love. I was, I was privileged this, this, just this weekend to um, conduct a, a, a wedding. Is David here? Where is David? David, can you please stand up? You know, he's a quiet guy. He doesn't like being shamed. He got married on Friday. Let's give him a hand. Married on Friday in church on Sunday. Well done, bro. But it was an absolute honor to be able to conduct their, their wedding ceremony. And I noticed that when we did the wedding ceremony and when we were pl- planning it, um, they talked about, you know, why they're getting married, because they love each other, because they want to be together. And uh, I noticed that when they did their, their ceremony that they didn't bring out the rule book. That when they gave vows to one another, when they, when they said why they were getting married and what their covenant, their, their commitment was, they didn't pull out the rule book and say, look, I'm with you unless you tick this and don't do this and do this and don't do this. They didn't give each other a, a, a list of, of regulations or requirements or, or restrictions. They made vows of love to one another. Christ has set us free to come into a loving relationship with the God that loves us. Before Christ, love for God wasn't necessarily possible. We could try, we could work, we could earn, we could do the best that we could, but but loving relationship with God was based more on our effort, more on our, our religion than it was on relationship. And in Christ, God says, what you couldn't do, I'm gonna do for you. With his death, he invites us into that relationship. We've heard that this morning, that the veil was torn, that we have freedom, we have free access to the God who loves us. His love has liberated us, so stay free. There's almost this kind of warning in there that you have been set free, so now stay free. And Bobby preached last week, absolute perler of a message. And if you remember, he was talking about the, the space of darkness and the space of light and how God leads us by grace into this space of light. But then we get to, to choose where we dwell. We can go back to the darkness. It, it, it's, it's in our power to, to, to enter back into that which we've been freed from. And so it's important for us to catch this, that you have been set free, now stay free. Stay free. But also let your, your relationship with God be motivated by love. You know, there, are, there can be many things that motivate our relationships with, with God. There can be fear. I don't know if you're in here and, and you're in here because, you know, sometime someone preached about hell and you, you were so scared that you said, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to start going to church. I've heard stories of people who, who are motivated out of fear and not a healthy fear, a really unhealthy fear. And it, it affects their relationship with God because they're afraid of Him. They see Him as some sort of hard taskmaster that would break them. Or guilt. Maybe our relationship is motivated by guilt. I'm here to, to try and, you know, make up for what I've done. I'm here to, I, I, I'm relating to Jesus because I, I feel bad about some stuff. I had a conversation with a lady uh, about two weeks ago. And uh, she was serving in a certain area in our church. She's not in our church, but she was helping with our food program. And um, she said someone who was organizing it had asked her to do some extra shifts and she's like, and I, I, I know I have to do it because I owe God so much. 
And she said, I, 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 I know, I, I just want to get, you know, right with God. And, and I was like, oh, don't do it for that. We serve out of the, the place of love, not out of guilt. She's like, oh, I, I feel like if, if, if the pastor asked me, well, I'll feel guilty if I say no. I said, you should be able to say no to your pastor and not feel guilty because your pastor is not God. You should be able to say no and not feel guilt and, and, and because that guilt will drive you in a certain direction and it will affect your, your relationship with Jesus. You should be free to, to say yes out of a place of love because you want to serve, because you, you, you've been set free and you want to help others become free. You want to help others. There can be so many different things that motivate our relationship, but I, I find it, you know, I think it's so important to, to stay in the love of God. To stay in the love of God because His love has liberated us. His love has liberated us. Here's here the next kind of point out of this. A truth that emancipates. That's a big word. It's because I have a dictionary. A truth that emancipates. So we have the definition of emancipate there, codes, because I need to know it. <laughs> to emancipate means to set free, especially from legal, social, or political restrictions. We have a truth that emancipates. Read in verse uh, 7, it says, You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God. For he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, that's been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I was still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some of you say I do, why am I being persecuted? He says, who has held you from the truth? Because the truth, as we know, will set us free. Jesus has a conversation with some people in John chapter 8. Wasn't, the conversation wasn't in John chapter 8. John wrote about the conversation, just in case you were wondering. But he's having this conversation about what it means to be free. And he says that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the people who are arguing with him are like, we don't need to be set free. We're the sons of Abraham. Why do we need to be set free? And he says, anyone that sins is then enslaved to sin. It's actually connected to what we've been reading here in Galatians. The understanding that they were in sin, that they were enslaved, and that they did need to be free. And it was the truth that would set them free. He says, who has kept you from this? It's not God, because God wants you to experience freedom. God hasn't led you into a place of deception to restrict you to put you in bondage, God wants you to be in a place of truth where you experience freedom. What we believe about ourselves, what we believe about God, what we believe about the world has the potential to bring freedom, liberty, or bondage. You know, one of the, 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 the best ways to, to uh, trap someone is through deception. 
And Paul addresses it here. He says, someone's come in and they, they've, they've deceived you. And because of the deception, you are now in chains. You're back in slavery. Be very careful what you believe. Because what you believe will inform how you behave. What you believe will inform uh, your, your relationships. What you believe will inform how you do life. So be very careful what you believe. Watch out for false teaching. Watch out for lies. Watch out for things that would bring you into a place of captivity again. And Paul says that, you know, this is this, is, this truth that's going to set you free. It's emancipating. Emancipating. Emancipated. 1863, January 1st, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. The Emancipation Proclamation. Everyone say that with me because I don't want to say it by myself. Emancipation Proclamation. Signed the Emancipation Proclamation which said that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious states, are and henceforward shall be free. He signed this thing that said that all of those that were being held as slaves from this point on shall be set free. They need to be released. Once, who knows that once that signature went onto that document, that was an official uh, requirement that, was, that becomes the law. That anyone that's been held as a slave, anyone that's been uh, held in captivity or being used as a slave was to be released. That's good news, right? What happened after that was not many slaves were released. Part of this was, was a political thing. It was a military move to, to weaken the, the forces. But it also did pave the way for freedom and the abolishment of slavery in the USA. But why didn't people get free? Because even though it had been signed, they didn't know about it. There wasn't Twitter. There wasn't the news. Word had to travel out to these different places to say that you have now been set free. The proclamation has been signed and now you've been released. And what would happen was that those who owned slaves, when they heard that they had been set free, they tell them that's not true you're still a slave. So even though it had been signed, it had been mandated, it had been required, they didn't receive freedom just because of that. They had to learn it. They had to, to hear that it was true. What's happening here with this church? Christ has set you free. He signed the emancipation proclamation that you have been set free from slavery to sin. But the old owners, the ones who came back and said, no, that's not true. You're still under that. You still need to keep those requirements. You still need to keep the law. And Paul's like, no, you have been set free. Here is the proclamation. And I wonder as well, like, how many people right now are living in, in a place where they don't understand what God has done for them. And we have been called to proclaim the good news to tell people that, that Jesus has come to set you free. That He is here, He is alive, He is moving, He is active, and He has come to bring freedom to you. You have now been called to proclaim the year of God's favor, that He has set you free, that people can come to relationship with Him. 
Maybe not as excited about that. Because that means we're, we're going to start to do some stuff. It means we're going to start to be motivated and activated into uh, moving and doing what God has called us to do. Because it, 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 we see there that, as he said before, uh, what's really important is faith expressing itself in love. Faith has an expression. We're not saved by our good works, but our salvation, our relationship with Christ will energize good works. It will release good works. It will cause us and motivate us and move us in the direction of good works. Because when you've been set free, your desire is to see others set free. If you've been released from something, your desire becomes, I want others to experience what I've experienced. I, I hate speaking. I do not like you know, being in front of people. The only reason I would do this is because I feel God has called me to it. And because there is the potential that someone else could be released from something that they're sitting in, something that's holding them. It's not because I want to necessarily do it, but I feel like God has called me to do it. And maybe there's things in your life that you've experienced freedom in, you've experienced God's hand upon your life in, that He has released you and now He's calling you to, be, uh, to, to move in those directions. There is a truth that will emancipate but here's the last thing, and we read it here in uh, the last part of this. Verse 13, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. So don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Here's the last thought I want to leave us with. A life that reciprocates. We've been called to a life that reciprocates. We receive the love of God and we give the love of God. We've been called, we've been set free. We, we experience freedom and we're here to help people experience freedom. We've experienced grace and now we get the opportunity to help others experience grace. Our life is not to just be a sponge that soaks up all the goodness of God for ourselves and holds onto it and contains it, but lets it flow through us as we experience life, as we experience love, as we experience freedom, then it flows through us. And it may be in, 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 in one area of your life. It may be in just a, a small part of your life, but God is able to minister and move through you to bring his love to other people. Do not use your, what does he say there? Do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And, and, and you know, that, that misconception about freedom is moving through our, especially our younger culture right now, that I want freedom. And what they're saying is I want freedom from the consequences of my choices. I want to be free. I want to be able to do what I want. I do what I want. When I want, with no consequence, and that's freedom. That's not freedom. We read that freedom is actually... What was that? We read that freedom is actually the ability to be in relationship with Jesus, to experience love, and then to give love. 
And we're, we're, we're instructed here, don't use that to satisfy your own sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Can I hold that before us this morning? That if you've been set free, then use your freedom to serve others in love. This is a call to us to, to be active. This is a call to us to, to not be complacent. This is a call to us to, to not just sit back and watch on as others do the work of the ministry, as others reach out, as others you know, impact lives. This is a call to anyone who has experienced freedom. And it is a call of freedom. It's not a call that puts a heap of restrictions and is trying to make us feel guilty. He wants to make sure that we're coming from the right motivation, that this is not, I, I'm now obliged or compelled or I'm energized by the grace of God, by the freedom of God to move in this area, to be able to bring freedom to others. Every person who has been set free by Christ, in Christ, by the work of the Spirit, has the ability to help others find that, to walk with others, to journey with others in that. You don't need a doctorate. You don't need to, to um, serve in church for 36 years. You don't need to, to jump through all the hoops. If you've got the Spirit of God living in you, then you have the, the best, the best, the best equipment. You have the access to the best uh, person to bring freedom. So live in it, but help others to find it. I wonder if we could catch that this morning. Because there is a world around us that is stuck, that is trapped, and that is destined for, for, for things that, that we would dread. This time in this room should never just stay about this time in this room. This is to, it's for us to come and celebrate, for us to come and worship, but then for us to go, for us to go into the streets, for us to go into schools, for us to go into our workplaces, for us to go and bring the good news. I'm going to get, I'm going to get excited because we're here for, we're not here for four songs, for the announcements to listen to some guy speak. We're here to encounter Jesus so we can help others encounter Jesus. What if a group of people stepped into that space where they became uh, people who proclaim freedom to others? Not just, you know, carried the book around, which is good that you carry the book, but, you know, put that on your bench at, lunch and in the workplace, people aren't necessarily going to fall down under the power of God. They could, but they're probably going to read your life more than they read the book. They're probably going to ask you the questions that they can't find answers to in their lives. And perhaps God is, is calling you to be the one that brings freedom, that he can move through you. So use your freedom to serve others in love. Let me share a little, little bit of my, my history, my, my, my journey. I don't think I've ever shared it here in Ellenbrook. When I was 15 years old, I was 
way back in the day. That was a long time ago. When I was like 15 years old, within the space of a year, my dad passed away from cancer. My grandfather had a stroke and passed away. And I had a friend who uh, took his life, friend in school. And that year, I look back at that year as one of the years that, that just totally wrecked me. I was 15, just about to turn 16. I had no real bearing on life. I had no real understanding of what was taking place. But I remember, and I remember this vividly, I remember after my, my grandfather's funeral, sitting in the room with my aunties, and I said this, how can there be a God if he can die? And I don't know why that sticks in my mind so much, but I remember questioning the existence of God if this could happen. From that point on, I went, what you would say, off the rails. I was kind of already a little bit headed in that direction, but this was, to me, it was like a, a catalyst that just sent me in, in that I responded to, that, that I went in the wrong uh, way. I ended up getting involved in some street gangs. I ended up uh, you know, starting drinking, using drugs, all sorts of stuff. And it uh, came to the point where I was involved in this gang, and we would, run, we would like literally just go through the streets and bash people. This is like it's just stupid stuff. And then there was this one time when we, uh, you know, we, we had this fight and one of my friends pulled a, a butterfly knife and stabbed a person in the chest. Another one dropped a, a cinder block on him. He almost died. We, we left and um, eventually, we're in my, we eventually we were arrested and I uh, had to go to court, went through this whole process of going to court. The uh, judge sentenced well, didn't necessarily sentence me, but sent me for um, psychological assessment and anger management. And I had to do like seven sessions of this anger management of why this had happened. Eventually, I go before the judge, the magistrate, and they, they uh, hear my case and went through a couple of times. And then when it's at the, the time of when she's going to give her verdict, the judge actually gives me a second chance. And says, looking at everything that's happened here, I can see that this has been, uh, you know, a rough time and you've acted out of that. And so here is a second chance. Take it. Woohoo! And I blew it. Because I just kept going in this direction and continued down this spiral of just losing my life, self-destructing, using heavier drugs, you know, for the next, like, six or seven years of my life, it's all a blur. It's all a, a, a haze. I can't remember much of it. I, I don't know if I've suppressed the memories or just was so out of it that I don't remember stuff. But I, I, I remember the, the battle. I remember the addictions. I remember the, the power that they had over me. I remember trying to get free. I remember, you know, times when I nearly took my life because I felt so restricted. I felt so trapped. I couldn't get out. And then my girlfriend at the time invited me to go to church with her mom. Sounds really cool. When you got like street cred. You're going to go with your mom to church? She invited me a couple of times, but one time I took it up because I was on drugs. The first time I ever sat in a church, I sat in the back row and I was off my face. Confession. 
not today. <laughs> the first time I was in church, I was on drugs. I was actually coming down. So. But something in that space, I was like, this is a bit weird. But anyway, I came back to church and then it was within the second or third time that I actually responded to the, the gospel message. And I was baptized on that night. And I'd love to say that everything just got better. But there was a process that I had to walk through in learning what relationship with Jesus was about, in learning how to come into this place of freedom. But I've been free from drugs for over 13 years now because Christ has set me free. Now let me tell you another story. About six or seven years ago, I get a call from someone in our church who has a uh, person in their life group whose son is off the rails. He's living on the streets. He's couch surfing. He's going from house to house. He has this massive meth addiction. It's costing him everything. It's breaking up their family. And they ring and say, is there any way you could like, you know, just spend some time with him, catch up with him? I was like, yeah, man, no, no worries. So we go to Jamaica Blue in Maribuka. We have a coffee. He's got no money, so I pay. And we talk. And the, all I remember from this time of meeting this guy, leaving, was like he has a wicked mullet. And he swears so much. Like, he's, I reckon he swore more than he said any other word. But they weren't even like sentence enhancers. They were just like sentences. And I thought, man, this guy, he's got a wicked vocabulary and a wicked mullet. But he, had no, he wanted nothing to do with God. He wanted nothing to do with anything. But he drank coffee. And so we caught up every fortnight for, for like six months. Every fortnight. I'm sharing with him about my story. We're talking about what's happening in his world. Uh, not trying to do anything. No agenda. I'll tell you, no agenda. I'm not trying to get him to church. I'm not trying to do, you know, convert him to anything. I'm just there to love this guy, the person that's sitting in front of me, drinking coffee with me, and I'm paying every time. Eventually, something happens in his heart. Jesus gets a hold of him. And he says, he comes to this place where he, 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 he starts a relationship with Jesus. And then he wants to work through all of these addictions. So he goes to Teen Challenge. And I remember going to visit him in detox the, the nights before he went to, to Teen Challenge and just playing pool with him and, um, you know, admiring his mullet. But eventually he goes to Teen Challenge and he does two years in the program at Teen Challenge. And then after doing Teen Challenge, he, he then goes on staff at Teen Challenge. Can we show the picture of uh, Kyle? Not that one. <laughs> Is there another picture in there? Oh, that's a bit disappointing. He led worship here two weeks ago. The guy that came from Esperance, from Teen Challenge. His mum is now in church. His sisters are now in church. His auntie is now in church. His, his cousins are now in church. They all love Jesus. And you know what he does now? He works in rehabilitation, helping others to find freedom in Jesus. He's on staff. I'm trying to get him to come back here. Use your freedom 
to serve others in love. You never know what, what can happen if you just love people well. Take the weight off. Let him do the heavy lifting. But just love people. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we see within it. And Lord, we, we don't want to just you know, read it, hear, hear a nice kind of passage of scripture, be inspired and then leave this place the same. We pray that you would give us insight into what it really means to be free in Christ and give us the desire, the motivation to help others to experience what we've experienced. Lord, would you motivate us by your love again? I pray for every person in this room that has felt the motivation of something other. God, that you would lift that this morning. That your love would liberate us to know you and to help others know you. For what is important is faith expressing itself in love. For those in this room, God, who are believers, who, who are followers of you, I pray that those words would resonate in our hearts. And even as we go through this week, Lord, you would bring them to remembrance that what's really important is faith expressing itself in love. May your spirit guide us. May your spirit guard us. And may your spirit lead us to be proclaimers of this good news. I thank you for freedom. A freedom that would enable us, energize us, release us to serve one another in love. Would you do the work that only you can do in our hearts? It's not the worship leader. It's not the preacher. It's the work of the Spirit of God in our hearts. We thank you, God, for your presence. And we just pray that you would do what you want to do in our hearts. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.